The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. Tech employers are trying to figure out how to recruit more women, and the mortgage industry is no different. So how do we get more women interested in tech in general and fintech more specifically? Welcome to The Interest. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network, and today I'm joined by Melody Wright. She's founder and CEO of Haringa a mortgage strategy and tech company. So Melody, obviously we're having this conversation because you're one of our women of tech for for 2023. So first off, congratulations. Thank you so much. I feel very honored. Thank you. And and how did you get involved with technology, um, both in general and also specific to the mortgage industry? What got you down this path of trying to figure out how to bring more tech into the mortgage process? Yeah, so I, it's a story from when I was a little kid, and you know how those can be. <laughs> you can remember them the right way, not so much. But I believe that uh, there was a competition of selling encyclopedias, and I, between my sisters and I, we sold them and won a computer. But it wasn't like a computer that <laughs> we're used to today. It was literally like the keyboard, and you plugged it up to your TV, and it had the cartridge tape. And, you know, if you had a book where you could write DOS code and I just, you know, for some reason I could sit there for hours and hours for something as simple as just wanting to see my name spelled across the screen. And it's so funny because I can't imagine having anyone having that kind of patience today, you know, but that's kind of, it just, it was just, you know, it's really enthralling. And then, you know, in mortgage specifically, I think I'm just always curious. I'm curious about how things work. Um, you know, I I ended up weirdly uh, in a position at the Wall Street Journal where I was the only person that knew Microsoft products. They were just coming off Dow Core is what it was called. It was just like crazy, not even Lotus Notes. And so I I kind of really understood that I could help people by showing them how to use technology and understanding it as a tool. And that's kind of when I got to mortgage, I had that background and just really could see solutions. It's like one of those weird things. I see it like highways, almost like how things can work together. And I could always just bring disparate things together with technology. And that's really how I got started. It's a very general way of just, just always showing up to listen and understand and help with a solution. <laughs> and and. You know, we're we're celebrating stories like yours because certainly in the mortgage industry, um, we're still seeing a need to get more women into into the technology space. Um, is is that an issue that is mortgage related, or certainly in tech in general, we're still trying to get more women into technology into STEM? Is it a tech issue, or is it a little bit of both? I think it's just an all around issue. I mean, I think it's so complex and you can't really distill it down to one thing. And I think that people shouldn't, you know, I think it's unfortunate that we're kind of in a time in our society where everybody is looking at barriers, looking at, you know, are are being very hurt about things. And I think that 
we're all humans and we all are going to hurt each other and be hurt by one another. But you have to open yourself and kind of be curious and kind of put yourself out there. And so I, you know, I think that's kind of um if you can do that and set everything else aside, I, I think we could really get rid of kind of this, you know, it's it's hard for women to get in tech, you know. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. It's a meritocracy, supposedly doesn't really work that way. You know, lots and lots has been written about this that you can you can read. But I think distilled all the way down, it's about opening yourself, being willing to take a risk. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to change everyone else. I can change myself. I can change the way I react. But the potential and the possibility is so important to really not sit back and let your insecurities and your little wounds get in the way of going out there and playing in the arena. It, it's kind of how I feel about it. And I was going to ask you, I'm glad you elaborate a little bit on, on what you meant by being her. Um, do you do you think it's just a matter of um, being a woman who's into tech and into STEM? You you face a little more scrutiny or what do you mean by that? And, and what should women be prepared for? What kind of hurt should they be prepared? <laughs> That's a great way of putting it, Mike. I love that. Um, you know, I think that what we think is a lot of times we think people are trying to be patronizing, et cetera. And, and I honestly think that they're insecure. There's so much that we don't know. I mean, every time I learn something new, I realize I misunderstood a mountain of things. And it's a very humbling experience. And it's not for the faint of heart. And, and so I think that a lot of times we in this generation have sort of been trained to learn our specialty get really good at it and kind of hold on to that. So it's very disconcerting when someone comes along and just kind of wants to disrupt that. And so my point of all that is, if it, it doesn't matter if it's tech, it's anywhere that you are, you have to open yourself. And, and it would be great if other people would be open when you get there, but be prepared that people are defensive. And, and then when you ask a question, they think you're challenging them. Like that's just human nature. Don't get upset about it. Don't be hurt about it. And there will definitely be times when you are shut down <laughs> and, and not treated <laughs> fairly. But is that really important if the end goal is really to get to solution and to move things further? Um, you know, so I hope that helps a little bit. <laughs> no, it does. And and I think that's obviously part of the conversation. And, you know, I guess, how do you strike that balance of understanding? Certainly, sometimes it is coaching and guidance. And obviously, sometimes it, it will be patronization. We hear women in STEM. We hear women in medical fields where someone will be lecturing them, not realizing I'm the doctor that that wrote that dissertation or something. How do you strike that balance? And also you know, be be ready for it and be prepared for it. But we hear a lot of women say, I have to walk on eggshells to not hurt men's egos. And they feel like that holds them back. How do you strike that balance of one, accepting coaching and versus recognizing patronization? And two, maybe, sure, to some degree, you want to get along to get along, but also you don't want to devalue yourself to the point that I'm biting my tongue because I don't want to hurt someone else's ego. Yeah, I think of all the words uh, that have been thrown around the last five years, one that really actually I think is something we need to think about is authenticity. And and I definitely know that I sacrificed a lot of who I was um, to, to, to have a lot of these conversations, to get solutions, 
Um, so I, you know, I think it's Mike, I, I, I think I'm a student of life and I'm, I'm learning every single day how to do that. Some days I do it really well. Some days I do it terribly. Um, but at the thing that I just keep trying to remember is, you know, think about what you're going to regret if you don't do it. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's really a, a key. To, and when I say regret, it's not like a, a kind of a, a stationary action. It's, you know, it's a missed opportunity. Like, if I don't do this, what opportunity am I going to miss? And I think that's that's really the way that you strike the balance. And you won't strike it in the moment a lot of the time. <laughs> you strike it later. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's better to go after the fact when things are less, uh, when things are calmer and pointing out, hey, by the way, that was really hurtful, the way you talked to me or that I didn't feel respected and supported in, in front of exactly. everyone else. Exactly. Communication, like one of the books I live by is Crucial, Crucial Conversations or Crucial Accountability. It teaches you how to pick up. One of the things I'm very passionate about is when someone says something very negative to me, there's always something in that statement that I can pick up, agree with, and move the conversation forward just a little bit by creating safety between the two of us. Because it, it's not often that you meet a human that really wants to hurt someone else. And I know we're kind of being very, uh, you know, vague about this, but I do think that we've become too specific in this conversation and in many conversations in our society today. So, yep. we We see um, a lot of industries, you know, computers, energy, uh, robots, and, and, and tech um trying to support getting more women into STEM and, and into technology. Is this an area where, where FinTech too should be getting involved? Absolutely. Because it's one thing to say women need to get into STEM and then they're enamored with renewable energies or robots or something else, as opposed to yeah. how do I make the, the mortgage process more efficient? So does the FinTech need to get involved to make sure that it's also at the forefront? Absolutely. And they won't be successful any other way. And, and what I can tell you about you know, I think we're all kind of coming down off the mania, right? And we're looking at the past few years and we're looking at the way technology even came into mortgage. And unfortunately, it came in with everything else we see across the, the mania, the ego, you know, the crazy valuations, just the unrealistic uh, sort of ideas about what could be accomplished. And a lot of what was missing was the elbow grease to actually execute. And I think that is a huge part. We have a lot of people that are in, at these fintech companies who's they're there for their ego. They're not there really to help the customers and they're there for the, you know, they want it all to be, you know, blend or whatever. And But we see how that went, right? Like, I, I think we have to take these lessons, um, but it's absolutely fintech should be leading this at 100% because if we really are going to be disrupting the industry for a productive solution, then if we're not leading in this way, we won't be successful there either. I mean, and so the fact that I didn't see any to that, and I'd love for someone to show me one, but I didn't see any fintech companies that really took this to heart at all. In fact, it was a way, in many ways, to kind of side skirt some of the diversity initiatives by getting out of that corporate uh, sector and out from under what I would call, like, you know, when you're at, in a corporation, there's a corporate culture you have to abide by. And I think FinTech 
they left and they they get they didn't have to deal with any of it if that makes sense so yeah and just sort a little of, too harsh no but. But, i mean but <laughs> you gotta you know as much as we all want to just think well i'll just look for more women obviously you've got to open up the pipeline uh you know and then right. everything you know if you open up the pipeline get more women get more people of color get more diversity into the pipeline coming into the field a lot of your yes. other efforts will get easier. absolutely and, and i'm a true i true believer that this is the answer for our labor situation now as well. Like, I mean, we have to go, we have to create places where we develop labor very early and show them how it can be a productive and successful life, you know, productive lights that they're going to want. I mean, that's a big problem we're having. Generally, my Gen Zers that I work with today, many of them say they're not coming back. They're not coming back to the workforce. They're, they'll do gig because but they've seen how their leaders were treated. They've seen uh, the social contract being broken. And so I think it's it's about talent in general, specifically all talent. We have to start growing it a lot earlier. So. Um, obviously, we're having an important conversation. But since we're talking about tech, I also want to sort of pick your brain on uh, where you see the industry going. Where do you think there's a big opportunity um, for originators, sort of like what's what's the future of tech that they should be watching out? Yeah, and so you know, Mike, I've I've really been thinking a lot about this after you know spending the past few years trying to implement solutions, and we have a very complicated tech stack in mortgage with very legacy systems that you know we've had to build around, and I think that most critical thing right now for us to do is to really evaluate our tech stacks, step back, not go look for the fun toy out there that's going to fix all your problems. Because that's, you know, okay, I need initial underwriting. Okay, I need this, you know, stop, take the time, review your tech stack, and really think about what you want to accomplish, what your goals are, and then evaluate technology. But right now, what I seem to find is I walk into these rooms and there's no one there that understands the way this is all working today. And it makes it impossible. If someone, if, if these fintech companies didn't come from the industry or they're just not operations people, they cannot help you implement with, I mean, they just, it's like, you know, you have the people on this side that don't know their technology. You have the people on this side that know their specific technology. And for them to come together, there has to be a real conversation and today, I just don't see that happening. And so I think it's important during this time to really review your current situation and think through what a comprehensive strategy is, which isn't just let me add on 10 products. So I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. And, and sort of what what is the byproduct of that? If I'm somebody who wants to, maybe I don't even recognize if that's my problem. How do I see that playing out? Is it that my different pieces of my tools and my my systems aren't talking to each other or they're not accomplishing what they they're supposed I mean how what does that look like where I know oh that's my problem well you know firstly you'll know it's your problem because if you don't know what your problem is <laughs> to me because if you can't figure it out why do I have all these you know why do I have these bots why do I have this why do I have this new program why is nothing getting better why am I so miserable like that that is the problem but you know they can't do it by themselves and i can tell you that i feel like we have lost a lot of knowledge in our industry because of the way maybe we have treated people and not you know we are 
part and parcel of the business cycle. And for whatever reason, we haven't accepted that. <laughs> we are part of the boom and bust. There are solutions so that we don't have to hire and fire people. And so I think that part of the reason we haven't made more progress is that a lot of people have left. And I think we have to, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity, right? All these tech layoffs in California, we need to go get these people. We need to bring them into our industry and say, listen, we're, but firstly, we've got to want to do that. <laughs> and we've got to open ourselves. We've been very close. And so, you know, I think that I, I think talent and, but reaching out to the people in your network that understand technology, you know, just asking questions, this is not a sale thing, but, you know, reach out to me. I, I can point you one of the big parts of my business will be kind of referral to other products that I don't have any stake in, but I know they're the right solution, you know, and I've had the experience with it, but you need to talk to people from within the industry that know both mortgage and technology because the outsiders have not been able to fix anything, but you know, <laughs> that's yeah, you certainly, you don't want to waste <laughs> time on, on something that's not going to make your job any easier and possibly can, can make it more stressful. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lot of just frustration on both the fintech side and the business side. That's what I see all day, every day. And I got to tell you, like, it's, it, it's one of the reasons, like, I have to do it my, like, there, there's a better way to do it. And, and I'm, I won't get it perfectly, but I feel like I'm going to get it just a little better. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Melody, thanks so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. And you can see all of our women of tech in the current issue of Mortgage Women magazine, available now at mortgagewomenmag.com. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success. Welcome back. Here's your headlines for today, February 8th. We have a major shakeup at Loan Depot as founder Anthony Shea is no longer executive chairman of the company's board. The company is calling it a mutual decision, but the announcement comes a day after Shea went on the offensive in a proxy fight. He says he wanted to change up the board at the struggling company and made a pitch to shareholders for a favored candidate. But the board says it was still in the process of evaluating candidates and Shea's efforts violated board rules. It's the latest blow for Shea, who in April was replaced as CEO. He still does retain his role as chairman of the board. In other news, the CFPB is targeting platforms that claim to help consumers compare mortgage rates only to deceive them. The agency issued an opinion ruling this week detailing practices that violate the Federal Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, or RESPA. The CFPB says some of these platforms give preferences to rates from certain companies in a pay-to-play scheme, but consumers are often unaware. And they can be tricked into picking a mortgage that's not the best option for them. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.